Jesus' name that we pray and hold fast. Amen. I, I ran across a verse at one point when I was reading the book of Psalms, and it just came back to me as I prepare for uncommon joy in the first chapter of Philippians. David and Paul have extraordinarily similar hearts. I mean, David, in, in writing the 35th chapter or the 35th Psalm, if you will, in a song, he's writing about peril that surrounds him in every way. Adversaries that are coming against him, challenges that are coming his way, life circumstances that are pounding against him. And in the middle of that, in Psalm 35, verse 18, he makes this extraordinary situation or extraordinary statement when he says, I will give thanks among the great congregation. And I I love that. In in other versions, the version I'm reading right now, the CSB, he says, I will give thanks among the great assembly. So when we gather here, you're going to hear me give thanks to God with uncommon joy and with passion that doesn't reconcile with the circumstances that are in my life. Because again, and he kind of, you know, he kind of precedes and proceeds this statement in, I, in Psalm 35, 18 with the reality of all of the turmoils and trials that are coming against him. And he just kind of pauses. And I, I would love for us to pause and say, oh God, that we would be able with great confidence to give thanks toward you and for you among this great assembly right now. And to do that regardless of our circumstance and regardless of how things are going for us. And so I really, there's words that he used, that David used to describe this verse to set the table. That enemies surround, that there is a glorious mess, that they are ravenous to come against him, that they are, that they're deceitful and vengeful toward him. I don't don't know what you brought into the room this morning. This isn't a great assembly that is trouble-free. It's a great assembly that is sitting in this room, standing in this room, worshiping in this room, gathering at the communion table saying, we are dealing with vengeful, deceitful challenges in this world. And yet, in the middle of it, I will give thanks to you, Lord, among this great congregation. And I will worship you, God. Let your glorious name be made great in the middle of this mess. I was, I was um, just thinking before I read Philippians 1, 3 through 6, I was thinking of how powerful it was. And most of us, if, if, if not, yeah, most of us were in this room um, last week when Mark Powell, who's away at his, um, his high school reunion right now. But we had this moment, and, and I kind of butchered it a little bit, which is normal for me. We had this moment, um, Teriana was going on mission, and I kind of shared she's going to, you know, to Savannah and then to Guatemala, which she is, just six weeks apart, because I missed that part. So I said to Mark over on this corner, this, this declaration in the midst, midst of pain and suffering and the challenge of this world, um, Mark, would you come, because you're the Guatemala guy for our church, and would you, would you just pray over Teriana as she goes to Guatemala, actually in July, which I missed that. So she's going to be well prayed over for Guatemala. The moment that we stood in and, and ended our service, and so I just, I have sat down spiritually in this moment in, in, in Psalm 35 and in Philippians 1, just going, this is uncommon joy. This is what it looks like to be a part of the church. Because Mark walks forward, and those of you that know the beloved, he's not a very emotional guy. He's an engineer. I mean, that's, he's not. I mean, he's just very pragmatic. And Mark Powell walks up, and I'm thinking, Mark's gonna, I mean, Mark is passionate. He's a world changer, not very emotional. 
And he walks up and just tears are filling his eyes. And I'm going, oh my goodness, what's going on? And I love what he shared. It's, it's Psalm 35, 18. I will give thanks among this great congregation. Because what he began to say is this. You know, my mom died a few weeks ago. It was ravenous. It's been painful. It's been harsh. It's been challenging. And, I, and you've just asked me to pray over this precious girl. But, but just church... Can I just share with you this? I'm speaking. I'm like I'm Mark right now because he's not here. Can I just share with you what a privilege it is to pray over her? Because the Sunday after I was back from burying my mom, this precious girl pursued me, grabbed my arms, and prayed over me. And I just stood with this unemotional engineer as his eyes were filled with tears and with extraordinary joy, he was able to speak among the great congregation in the midst of a ravenously painful time of the goodness and the glory of God. It was uncommon joy. And not only was he speaking to that, but he's speaking and praying in turn over a little girl. She's not a little girl. Over a 15 or 16 year old girl who is passionate about going and sharing the name of Christ to Savannah, Georgia. And nervous about going and sharing the name of Christ to another nation. And I I began to wrestle with Psalm 35 and thinking, God, I pray that you would give us this uncommon joy. When we give thanks among the great congregation, we share with Paul. In his irrepressible joy, his constant joy, even in the midst of anguished suffering. As we began to read through and study the book of Philippians, it is very fair for those of us that are not aware that we read a letter to the church at Philippi about uncommon joy written from the pen of a man who is sitting in prison. That's critical for us. To understand that in a ravenous, deceitful, challenging moment, there is this glorification of Jesus Christ in the midst of a great congregation and a letter that spread throughout the churches of Christ, including up to this moment. It's uncommon. And Paul was unwavering in his passion for God because he lived a spirit-filled life that was constant in, in pursuit of the word and in who God was to him. Our ability to live in an uncommon joy is produced by God through his spirit in the midst of his word. I should say that again because you should fulfill this. It is the byproduct, uncommon joy is the byproduct of living in intimacy with God through the Spirit of God, awakening our hearts and the Word of God richly dwelling among us. I wrote this sentence and I've already said it. It's our nearness to God that will determine the level of uncommon joy that you and I experience. And if 17% of us are the only ones drawing near to him on a regular daily basis, we will be challenged with uncommon joy and we will be eaten alive by the ravenous deceit that surrounds us. So may we be a people who fulfill Philippians 1, 3 through 6. I give thanks to my God for you. For every remembrance of you, every time I think of you, I am always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, I am sure of this. I like the word better. I am confident of this. That he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I just want to allow those words to settle in our soul, share a couple of thoughts, and gather at the cross 
when Paul was writing this, he's saying, I remember you. And it is so beautiful when I remember you. And I always overflow with uncommon joy. It is the passion of my soul. I had the um, chance, uh, I just want to go back to last Sunday and celebrate with you for a moment, Uncommon Joy. So we talked about Mark Powell and Teriana. Can we just talk about Kayla for a moment? I put her picture up and Kayla is now in Haiti and um, she is there. And it was so very powerful last Sunday to share a bit of her story and the generational declaration of Uncommon Joy. But, um, but I, I didn't know this, that um, her overseer, her boss is Craig Colbreth. He's the missions leader for the Florida Baptist Convention. And Craig mandated that she interview a pastor who happened to be me. And so unbeknownst to me last Sunday, I get to sit down um, this week for an hour with Kayla. So she calls me on Monday and says, can um, we sit down for an hour and talk about life and missions in another country and how a church can connect on this? And I'm like, yes, we can. And in fact, if we start talking, we will talk for hours, not an hour. So let's set a timer. But what was so powerful for me is that um, as, as I shared with this church, I found a video online that she had posted. And if you missed the story, Kayla will be working for the next six weeks between, with between 50 and 150 um, current prostitutes in the nation of Haiti. And she will be presenting the gospel to them, presenting ways that they do not have to sell their body for a dollar, but they can sell some wares and some other things and begin to pursue another income stream that is far better than selling themselves. And she is going to partner with them with the gospel, with uncommon joy, in the midst of hurting, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of pain, speaking hope and providing the tools and resources that go with it. For me personally, that's uncommon joy. It was cool for me, yeah. It was beautiful for me because several of you, including Mark Powell, jumped on the train and you went to Amazon and ordered stuff and she put a picture of all the boxes stacked up. And then a friend that I haven't spoken to in the last five years. Yeah, look at that. I forgot I put that picture in. A friend that I haven't spoken to in the last five years wrote me. His name is Rob McGee. You know Rob. Rob writes me. Rob is just like, he's, he makes Mark Powell look gregarious. I mean, Rob doesn't even talk. And he writes me and says, I want to help her. I said, Who? He said, this Kayla girl. I said, then you know me. That went on for 15 minutes. This is awesome, blah, blah, blah. He's like, cut to the chase and send me your address. <laughs> I love it. And I got a note from him. And then Friday night, she stopped by with me and Ella at Mo's. And we handed her the check. And, and, uh, and, and he sent me a check. And I thought that was beautiful. But one of the things I said in the interview, I think is so critical for this church, as we wrestle with uncommon joy, I looked at her and I said, here's what I want you to know. Your passion, your, your zeal for the things of God, it is contagious. Uncommon joy among the great congregation is contagious. When we are living with one another and saying, I know that I am in chains right now, but I am in chains for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that I'm in bondage right now, but I want you to know, and I know, here's what she's looking at us to say, I know that there are 50 to 150 girls in the heart of the largest city in the most impoverished area in the Western Hemisphere who are currently selling themselves, and I know that God has uncommon joy for them. And I believe, church, that we are surrounded by people who need us together at the cross, step from the cross to the empty tomb, and to live with the power of the gospel and the beauty of the resurrection and step in and declare that among the great congregation, including those who are living currently on corners in Haiti and who are living across the street from you and me. And that will become contagious among us. 
Uncommon joy. And so as we read and just study the scripture, we're saying, I think of you. I remember you. I pray for you. And here's why. Because we're partners in the gospel. And this gospel is good news. That's why in verse 4 he says, every time I remember you, there's joy. I um, had a guy named Levi Lusco who said something to us at Passion this past year. And it has been an absolute game changer for me. Um, I do not believe that I will ever be the same. And he wrote these, or he spoke these words, and I wrote them down, and I circled them in my journal and said, this is life-changing for you, Mark. And I hope it's simple, but it's coming on the screen. Um, We have to believe that you and I are in chain to Jesus. If we're going to experience uncommon joy, and we're going to look at one another and say, when I remember you, I think of joy. When I think of you, I think of gospel partnership. When I think of gospel partnership, I believe that the chains that I have are chains for your glory. As I think of you, church at Philippi, as I think of you, here's what I think. The church was birthed out of the chains that hold me now. Because when I came to know, when I came to speak Jesus, I was enchained to the the palace guard. And as I spoke Christ, and as he dropped those chains at that moment, the church burst forth out of the book of Philippi, out of the church at Philippi. It burst forth for the sake of the gospel, and it burst forth out of the chains of my imprisonment. I want you to know, church, that uncommon joy is not based on circumstance. Uncommon joy is based on this. I am chained to Jesus. Therefore, therefore, everything else is chained to him. Thus all gain Christ. So whatever you brought in this room, I am not asking you, is everything okay? I am asking you as we gather at the cross and we celebrate the empty tomb, what are you chained to? And if it is anything but Jesus, will they gain Christ? Whatever you brought in the room, they are not... These, Paul was looking at this situation as he was enchained to two men who were a part of the Roman guard. And he was looking and thinking, here's the future church. There are a lot of deceit and hurt and suffering and sorrow in this room right now. And you have failed to look and say, Oh God, I am not enchained to the encumbrances of this circumstance. I'm enchained to Jesus. And thus, whatever is happening in my life right now, I will praise God among the great congregation. And that pauses me from looking at success or failure. As it pauses me from discerning whether I seem to be doing well or not well as a father. It, it pauses on whether um, financially we are well off or not well off. I am not looking at my current circumstance to determine my level of uncommon joy. I am looking at the one who brings me joy and saying to him, whatever I am chained to, I am fixed on you, Jesus. And whatever you're bringing into my life, they, that, it gains you. That that may or may not speak to you the way it spoke to me, but I have written it down. And every single moment that I become discouraged since we arrived home from Passion, I opened that journal. I have written it in places. I need to put it on my forehead somewhere. I am chained to Christ. And that, for me, is why there is extraordinary, uncommon joy. 
I wrote this and then let's gather at the table. We won't mistake two guards at the end of our chains as the things that hold us. That's what happens when we are chained to Jesus. We'll consider that life has just given us an audience to hear about the grace and the mercy of the cross of Christ. We'll see our pain differently. We'll see our challenges differently. We'll see our suffering differently. We will see our endurance differently. And you and I will worship differently. And so as we gather at this moment of communion, I come with a very simple question. How do you, in this communion moment, see your chains? I give thanks to my God for you every single time I remember you. I pray with joy. I pray for all of you in every single prayer. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel from today. From the first day until now. And I am sure of this. I am confident that he who started this will complete it. And he will carry it on until the day of Christ. I am confident that the living God is at work even in the midst of our chains. And so communion. Chains. Saying to God once again, Lord, as I come to this table to reflect upon you and to pause in worship, I long for you to remind me that the chains of this world, oh, they fall away, Lord. As I begin to look at your glorious face and my life is enchained to you. I long for us to come into communion remembering the body and the blood of Christ, the remission of sins, the forgiveness given, the joy of being known, the glorious rescue, the marking of his spirit, the hope of life, the power of his presence, the hope of his redemption. This is why we, we come to this moment and say, Jesus, we are chained to you. And we are confident in you alone. And we will make great your name among this assembly. So Jesus sat with the group, held a common loaf of bread and broke it and told them that I will lay down my life for you. He held a cup and shared it among them and said, My blood will be shed for the remission of sin. And then he said to the church, he said to the people, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pause and reflect upon this truth and this reality often because you are going to mistake the chains of the temporal circumstances of this world as the things that define you. And that can't happen. Pause at the cross. Fill your life with the presence and the power of the Spirit at the tomb. And so as a church, we're coming, remembering our chains. And we're coming to the cross of Jesus, saying to him, I am chained to Christ. There's an audience that now hears of him. 
And because of that, I confess with uncommon joy his goodness. Our deacons in just a moment are going to pass a plate, and in that plate is um, a small piece of bread representing symbolically the body of Christ. And in that plate is a small cup that will represent symbolically the blood of Christ. This table is an open table in this room, meaning this. Um, we welcome you to celebrate in communion with us if you have come into relationship with Jesus Christ. We want our children to sit in and just look with awe and wonder of the glory and the wonder of the cross as we celebrate in communion together. And so this is an open table for those of us who are in Christ. And we welcome you, as Jesus does, to this table. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship and sing a bit, and our deacons are going to pass this again. You just simply taking a small piece of bread and a cup, and if you would hold that, we will, in one common moment, remember the body and the blood of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your cross. Thank you for our chains. I don't know that we've thanked you lately for our chains, and so Jesus, thank you for our chains for the things that seem to be bondage on this earth that truly just bind us to you. Thank you for the resurrected Savior. Thank you that our lives are resurrected with him. Thank you for this moment as a church to pause. And thank you, God, for uncommon joy that will permeate this church. Thank you for the privilege of remembering your body that was given for us, your blood that was shed for us. We sing now, we worship now, we distribute symbolically your body and your blood now. For we are in chains to you, Jesus. Thank you for those chains. It's in your name we worship and pray. It's in your name we celebrate. Amen. And what that means for us as far as just gifts and opportunities, people coming in and saying, we want to move with this family.